Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know how much I love and really, really get juiced talking with people in the world that are discoverers, inventors, scientists, thinkers. Our next guest is in that category. His name is Siraj Ganjakunta. He grew up in Shelton and then Fairfield. He graduated Brown University of Rhode Island in 2022 and is now making his way working in the city. And Daraj Ganjakunta, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Can I just call you Daraj? Yes, Welcome you to the Lisa Wexler Show. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much, Lisa. Yeah, no, Diraj uh, is correct. Um, and yeah, just to add in there, also went to Ward High School right here in Fairfield, where I am right now. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Hi, so you went to public school. You're a public school grad. Yeah, definitely. Um, loved Ward. I lived literally just a mile mile away from it, so I'd go, go to high school, and my younger brother goes there, too. So... We love so, public high schools. <laughs> and Daraj, yeah. you seem to have an Indian name. I don't want to presume too much. Are you a first-generation yeah. immigrant? Are your families, is your family from India? Yeah, I am a first-generation. Both my parents uh, moved to Connecticut, um, you know, to Shelton and then Fairfield because of the schools. So, I mean, definitely very thankful for them for giving me that opportunity and moving to such a beautiful place. Are they scientists like you are? <laughs> no, they are both software engineers. And um, even myself, I think I, you know, at Brown, I studied economics and public policy. I, I'm not, you know, necessarily an engineer, but I was able to learn enough and kind of use the unique skill set that I did have to help build a satellite that went into space. So, so let's talk about that. That's I understand cool. it was a group of 40 Brown students, but this is interesting to me. Economics and public policy don't usually veer into the, <laughs> you know, the engineering of creating a satellite and all the math that would go involved with that. So tell us a little bit about this group at Brown, how you became involved with it and what it was trying to do. Yeah. So, you know, I was always a space nerd since I was a kid. And when I came to Brown, uh, you know, I was going to be a public policy person. But 
I noticed I could take some space engineering classes. And after taking the class, me and uh, another guy, a master's student, and uh, two other engineers were like, hey, you know, why don't we try to build a satellite that's cheap and open source and it tries to solve like an ex- existential problem, like uh, the sp- problem of space junk? So luckily, our professor had a connection um, with the Italian Space Agency and some other launch providers, and um, you know we were able to get a launch space. And the group came together really as just like recruiting from the undergraduate body and graduate body at Brown. So people who were interested in working on the satellite, who who wanted to kind of do something quick and quick and hard, right? <laughs> really in just a year and a half, uh, joined the project. And, um, you know, personally, because I had this background in in public policy and economics, uh, I actually managed all all the kind of regulatory stuff, a lot of the complex, like, management problems and recruiting problems that came up. So, um, you know, the engineering is hard, but also getting 40 40 college students to build a satellite and uh, getting all the regulatory and financial things that that means is also super difficult. So that's uh, where I thought I, I could contribute as the chatting, program manager. You're right. We're chatting with Jiraj Gajikinta. You know, I normally think Jiraj of just, you know, the invention itself, but there is a lot more to it. So how much money did it cost to do this project and where did the money come from? Yeah, um, it cost around 40K for the total development. And about 10K of that came from, you know, uh, NASA. 10K came from another European space agency. And the other uh, 20K came from Brown. So it was a lot of different partners. It was a kind of an international project. And I was uh, kind of uh, at the lead of <laughs> trying to get all these different partners to trust us with their money, considering we were a bunch of college students. <laughs> and, and so this is so cool. What is the satellite made of? Yeah, so the satellite itself is made of uh, aluminum uh, and a giant block of epoxy. So it's just like a giant plastic block. But uh, some of the more interesting parts are energizer batteries for the power. So like energizer batteries you could literally buy from a CVS. No way. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, And an Arduino computer, which is like a $20 computer and was our primary computer. So a lot of the major subsystems we had, you know, it costs maybe 30 or 40 bucks. A bunch of batteries and a toy computer. So, so, so as a satellite, is this cool. aluminum thing, I'm imagining it as a disc, you know, that's just my yeah. imagination. Is it launched with a rocket to get it up in space and then it just floats in the orbit itself? Yeah, yeah. So um, you can imagine it as like a six kilogram uh, tube. And it was actually launched on a SpaceX rocket, a Falcon 9 rocket. Um, And it went up there about a year ago, and it's orbiting at around uh, 500 kilometers in space right now. So it was attached. So you called Elon Musk. Wait, wait. So you called Elon (laughs) Musk's company, and you said, we want to put a little bit of something else on your rocket. We want to tag this on the end. Is that what happened? Yeah, basically went up with a bunch of other satellites, um, you know, dozen other satellites nearly. Um, but a lot of them were, you know, multi-million dollar or 10 or 100 million dollar satellites. 
And here was our satellite that cost, you know, maybe $10,000 to reproduce. So <laughs> but we were all being held to the same standard. That's um, so unbelievable. Yeah. So you've got the satellite. <laughs> this is so, uh, by the way, were you the one in charge of calling Elon Musk's company, SpaceX? <laughs> and and how, how amenable were they to this? Like, it seems like something that they would love to do in terms of their reputation. But how easy was it to do business with them? Yeah, I mean, we actually didn't interact directly with SpaceX. We interacted with uh, a contractor of theirs. Um, but yeah, we I, I was the one in the meetings with, um, you know, all the launch engineers at the, the site. I went to Cape Canaveral to put oh. the satellite into the Falcon 9 deployer. I also saw the actual Falcon 9 launch off of Cape Canaveral, too, which was something I'd never thought I'd, I'd see when I was 22. <laughs> so cool, right? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. We're chatting with Jiraj Gajakunta, who graduated Fairfield Ward High School and also spent some time as a kid in Shelton. This is just wonderful. So, Jiraj, okay, so the satellite is launched. Now, you said earlier that part of the project was to solve a problem. So what was the problem that you're trying to solve? Yeah. Um, some of you might have heard of this problem of space junk, right? Uh, you might have watched Gravity, uh, the movie Gravity, where you know a, a random piece of satellite just smashes into the ISS and causes a bunch of chaos, right? Yeah. Um, and that's an actual, that's actually a real problem in space, and it's a problem that is only going to become get uh, get worse as more satellites are launched. You know, all these satellites go up into space, and after their lifetime is done, they just kind of stick up there and they're moving at 30,000 miles a second, you know, or or 30,000 miles an hour, right? So even if it's like a one inch, you know, piece of of metal, it'll smash into another satellite and completely destroy it. So this is an existential problem for humans in space, if you think about it, because, you know, if you're going up there on like a a vacation or, you know, you you have got a job to do up there, you, you don't want to be worrying about, you know, some random, you know, some random satellite from 50 years ago smashing into you at 30,000 miles an hour, wait, right? Wait, wait, if so, you're going up there on vacation, you mean people going up to the moon on vacation? What do you mean by going up there on vacation? What do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, that, that, that's, that's a little, uh, that's a little uh, <laughs> but going up into space on vacation, you know, going to a space hotel or going to the moon, um, you know, just humans' future in space is threatened if there's too much space junk just floating around up there. Well, I mean, let's just talk about good. the fact that humans have a capacity yeah. to create junk and debris wherever we go and I think we can yeah. all acknowledge that we shouldn't do that so so that's so 27,000 pieces is a lot uh, so what do we do about that well first of all what how did you design your satellite to not be another part of that junk 
Yeah, yeah. Um, the the satellite was designed to have basically like a space sail, like a space drag device that uh, sounded like a parachute in space that slows down the satellite. And instead of, you know, for our satellite, for example, if we didn't have the space sail, it would take around 40 years to come back and burn up in the atmosphere. Instead, because we have this uh, drag device, it takes five years. So imagine if we had something like this on all satellites that we send into space, um, they would be up there for much less time and there'd be much less risk of in the future, you know, for example, that satellite crashing into another one and causing a huge, huge mess. Well, do, do we know that the satellites will definitely burn up before they reach Earth? Yeah, for this one, because it's a tiny satellite, you know, only 30 centimeters wide, um, it will definitely. Some of the gigantic satellites that might cost like $100 million or a billion dollars, those are so big uh, that you need to make sure that they burn up in the atmosphere. But, uh, you know, there's no there's no risk of uh, falling space junk, luckily. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. I mean, how would we know? I wouldn't know that. Okay. No, so, you know, if they, if they fall, I didn't, I really didn't. And by the way, why do they burn up before they hit Earth? What's happening there that they're burning up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're falling, uh, you know, they're falling so quickly uh, through the Earth's atmosphere. It's it's like anything going super, super fast, um, you know, through like the, these uh, these satellites were moving in, in a place where there was no atmosphere, just in space. And once they start going through a place with atmosphere, Earth's atmosphere, it just starts burning up. What is the um, what is the reason that they start to fall to begin with? Do they run out of some kind of internal energy system? Is your satellite going to run out of battery power? Why do they start to fall? Yeah, um, I, that's actually a, just a byproduct of how orbits work. So just for a, a quick thing, like, you know, you got to imagine shooting a cannonball right straight out in front of you and imagine shooting it so fast that it just keeps going. And that's okay. how a satellite gets into orbit around Earth. Um, eventually, it'll get it'll meet some resistance and uh, usually just the Earth's atmosphere and it'll slow down. So for a satellite like ours, it gets a little bit of, Earth, of the Earth's atmosphere, which gives it a little bit of resistance, which slows it down very slowly. And what our drag device does is increases that uh, slowing down because of the uh, surface area being more. Who Hopefully came up with the technical. idea of creating the sail, <laughs> Diraj? Who came up with the idea of yeah. creating the sail? Yeah, so that was uh, the chief engineer on our project who is from Rhode Island and still lives in Rhode Island. But um, he he came up with the idea and also came up with the idea of 3D printing it. So if you guys oh. have heard of a 3D printer, what? he 3D printed a lot of the parts, which cost like, you know, five bucks instead of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars like it would usually cost. It's an unbelievable thing. So you're out of college now. This must be something you're very proud of. What happens to yeah. this technology? Is this something that, I mean, I read about it in a newspaper article. That's why we invited you on the show. But is this something yeah. where other companies are taking you seriously and they're thinking this is something we should do too? Yeah. Um, I think other the, the, the good thing about this 
project was that every every part of, part of it is open source, so anyone can use it, including companies or academics or whatever. Um, I think companies don't have as much of an incentive necessarily to to care about space junk until very recently, because the government said, you know, in the last year or two, that um, you basically have to deorbit all your satellites within 25 years at the end of their lifetime. So now companies are taking it very seriously because the government is telling them that they have to, you know, reduce space junk. And hopefully, you know, someone does use our solution to to reduce that existential space junk problem. Well, we're not the only one putting junk in. China's doing a great job. They're putting a lot of junk in the atmosphere <laughs> yeah. right now. I'm sure Russia does no, they are. junk too, right? Yeah, I know. All, all the, and that's one of the problems, right? Like, everyone can put junk into space. It's kind of like climate change, right? Everyone can emit in, in, into the atmosphere, uh, but it also affects everyone equally, right? A country that might have never sent anything into space will have a harder time sending a satellite into space if there's a ton of space junk, right? Which um, so Diraj it is one of those problems so, where yeah. we have to work together. So, Diraj, what are you doing with your life right now? What are you, what are you devoting your talents to? <laughs> What area of the world? What are you doing? Yeah. Well, I, like a lot of my uh, fellow college students, uh, I'm working and consulting in New York City at uh, McKinsey. So... I know there you go. But I, I am hoping but to what, work but in what, the space. But sector. what are you doing? I, yeah, I was going to say, what sector are you working at there? What What do you want to do? Yeah, yeah. No, I am working in kind of the tech sector, uh, corporate finance, intersection of kind of tech and corporate finance, and also hoping to get involved in some of the space work that uh, my consulting company does. So you must be really proud after a four-year degree at Brown <laughs> to have accomplished this with four. The other kids. I mean, it's it's very cool. It's something that you can look back on your college years and say, "We did this. We did this." Yeah, and it's, it's a childhood dream. Honestly, I mean, I always loved space and just looking up at the stars. And to think that you know, I built something that's up there, and you know, it's trying to solve a problem. It's uh, there's no no feeling like it. Definitely. <laughs> well, we're excited and we're proud of you too here in the Fairfield County community here on WICC. And I want to thank you for coming on to tell us about this. And it's inspirational to know that these kinds of projects are going forward and it's open source. You're not looking to make a buck from it. You're looking to have it genuinely spread throughout the world so more people will do it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Pleasure for me too. Diraj Gajakunta on the Lisa Wexler Show. And we'll be right back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 